This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hi, survivalists. Welcome to The Crux. I am one of your hosts, Tessa King, and today I'm joined, as usual, by my sister, Casey McIntosh. Today, we'll be telling the story of Paul Templer. He was 27 and working as a river guide on the Zambezi River in Zimbabwe when he ran into a little bit of trouble. Paul had grown up in Africa in the 70s. His father was a military man stationed in Rhodesia at the Rhodesian Army Base. Rhodesia would later be changed to Zimbabwe in 1981, following the independence from the UK. Templar spent most of his childhood in Zimbabwe and went to a Catholic boarding school there before moving to England when he was around college age. Templar followed his father's footsteps and joined the army under the British Commonwealth. He continued on to the Army Air Corps, where he ran into some trouble with his aviation medical due to susceptibility with hay fever, otherwise known as seasonal allergies. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a serious medical condition. You never know when you might sneeze and crash an aircraft. Yeah, it's very high risk. I worry about it all the time when I sneeze and drive. I do too. It's amazing they gave me my license. (laughs) (laughs) I know. They might have to add that to the list of qualifications to get your driver's license. Yeah. So apparently they're very picky in the British Army. In any case, he really wanted to be a helicopter pilot. And because of this, he was unable to become a helicopter pilot. At this point, he chose to leave the army and was granted with an honorable discharge. He worked several odd jobs and traveled a bit before his mother gave him a ticket back home to Zimbabwe one year for Christmas. That was in 1990. During this holiday vacation, he went on a rafting expedition around Victoria Falls, which kind of reignited his love for Africa and the surrounding area. Cool. He decided to accept a job in the safari industry as a professional river guide on the lower Zambezi River. He said, To me, the best way in the world to experience African wildlife is from the back of a Canadian-style canoe. Have you seen any footage of the Zambezi before? I have not. There's some pretty rugged, scary-looking water there. And hippos in the water, too. That sounds scary. I know. I mean, maybe it wasn't crazy where he was. I don't know. Well, there are a lot of animals along the Zambezi River. And the Zambezi itself includes gorges, floodplains, wide water, and also narrow channels. It involves drifting past herds of elephants and buffalo, which wallow in the shallows. And tour groups can also see six-foot crocodiles, lion, water buck, impala, kudu, warthogs, and baboons. There are also large pods of hippos in the river, as mentioned before. Becoming a raft guide on the Zambezi River is no easy feat. Not only do you need to understand the water, 
you also need to procure a learner professional hunter's license just in case you run into an animal that wants to eat you. Hmm. Yeah, protect your crew. And that allows you to have a, a gun in the craft or something? I'm sure there aren't a lot of rules. Paul Templer had a gun. And I wrote it down somewhere. I'll tell you what it is later. Okay. <laughs> Not that he uses it. What? <laughs> no spoiler alerts, okay? No. This is just a casual story about rafting. There's nothing scary what is this, a survival podcast? <laughs> it's also encouraged to have an extensive knowledge of the surrounding wildlife, flora, and fauna, which makes sense if you're a river guide. People want to know what the things are. He also had to be prepared to administer first aid. He said, if one of my clients was attacked by a hippo or a lion, tusked by an elephant, gored by a buffalo, or bitten by a snake, I had to be able to treat the casualty. I want to know about this raft company and how many people that came off of those boats had those kind of injuries. It's a wide array. Lots of things can go wrong. <laughs> lots of things. There's lots of potential. It's selling this rafting trip to me, really. Absolutely. Yeah, lots of risk. I'm high risk. In March 1996, Templar embarked on a day trip, including six clients and three apprentice guides. Two of the guides... Ben Sibanda, who was 24, and Evans Namasango, who was 22, had worked as camp hands and porters in the safari industry. In other words, they were well-versed in what they could run into with their jobs. The only thing that they didn't know was how the water was, how to do their jobs on the river, essentially. The third guide, his name was Mac. Last name was not included in this book, so... But who needs a last name when your name is Mac? You're just I Mac. Mean, that's enough. Mac. Well, and another article I read called him Mike. So. So who knows? Mike Mac. Who, you know, it's fine. <laughs> Mac. Mac. The tour was easygoing. They lounged in plastic seats molded to the floor of the canoes. They had large coolers and snack trays. The guides sat in the middle and the clients were on either end at the bow and the stern. They lounged. They ate food, drank cocktails, and they just essentially enjoy the scenery all around them as they floated along. That sounds like a really nice day. It does sound great. They were almost done with their tour when they came across a pod of hippos with only their heads above the water. Hippos a lot of time will just hang out with their eyes and their ears above the water. They can hold their breath for up to five minutes. So a lot of times that's just what you see is just, just some cute little ears. Nothing to see here. <laughs> So these hippos stood completely still as the tour glided through. There was an island downstream, about 100 feet down, where they could see a mother hippo and her calf. Mother hippos are very protective of their young, which is similar to bears. Templar writes in his book that it is very important to make noise to give as much warning as possible, as hippos dislike surprises, also like bears. What they'll do is they'll make noise on their canoe, and that will allow hippos to hear the sound underwater and give them a chance to come up and see what's going on, basically so they can steer clear. It's important to allow a clear path as well to the deeper waters because that's where hippos will go to avoid boats. So it's counterintuitive to me that you would avoid a hippo by going to another shore, but it's better than to let the hippos not have a place to go. Mm -hmm. They're going to dive deep. 
So in this case, the crew stayed on the left side of the river to avoid the mother hippo and calf. The guides were well aware about a quarter mile downstream, there was another hippo they had to worry about. It was a rogue bull who had been terrorizing boats around the falls without provocation. He had staked out his part of the river, and the guides knew exactly where it was so they would be able to avoid it. However, little did they know this particular bull had changed his territory recently. Hmm. That's because he's rogue. He's ro- he does we'll just, what he wants. We'll just call him Rogie. Rogie. <laughs> that sounds like something an Australian would say. He's got to have a name. Yeah, Mozzies, Rogies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. On the final stretch of the river, they approach a channel. They go through it in tight formation with Templar in the front. As they move through, they suddenly hear an ear-splitting crack. Templar knew what it was, even before turning all the way around. A hippo had surfaced below Evan's canoe, launching him from the rear about four feet into the air, and he disappeared into the water below. That's what you call a rude awakening right there. Yeah, it's one thing for a hippo to violently come out of the water, let alone under your boat. And it would be a complete surprise. Absolutely. The tourists on the boat remained inside, so they were luckily not launched away, and the canoe itself was suspended on the back of the hippo. Then the hippo submerged again, which violently dropped the canoe. It shook side to side as the clients are screaming, but luckily the boat does not capsize. Thank God that would be a disaster. I mean, it already is. It already is. It's enough of a disaster already. No more disaster needed. Templar reacts quickly and maneuvers his canoe backwards towards Evans. Evans is being dragged through the current towards the mother, hippo, and calf. So just bad things happening all around. The other guide, Ben, had moved quickly to the other bank and had deposited his clients to safety. And it wasn't sure it was a big rock high above the waterline. Ben then turned his boat around to aid the clients who had been in the canoe with Evans. He was able to tow them to safety as well. The hippo is nowhere to be seen at this point. It had submerged into deep water. Templar is very wary, not liking that he does not know the location of the angry hippo. But he goes to Evans anyway to rescue him from the water. He gets alongside him, and Evans does something that's ill-advised in the boating community. He tries to climb into Templar's boat from the side, which can do what? Well, capsize you, of course. Totally. And Evans knew better, but he was just so panicked about the hippo that he's just trying to get out of the water. Templar has to kind of calm him down and tries to get him, you know, from the front or the back of the boat. He extends his arm out so Evans can grab onto it. He says that he's leaning over the water from the waist up, reaching as far as he's able. Their fingers were almost at the point where they could touch when the water erupted between them. Oh, no. The world went dark. Templar could smell something putrid and sulfurous around him. Wait, he, is he in a hippo's mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, will you tell me? Oh, my goodness. No. He writes, my legs felt differently than the rest of me. From the waist up, I was not dry, but not surrounded by water as were my legs. An unbelievable pressure was bearing down on my lower back. My arms were trapped, but I managed to free one hand around and felt around. 
My palm passed through the wiry bristles of the hippo's snout. Mm. It was only then that I realized I was underwater, trapped up to my waist in his mouth. Oh my goodness. So I would, I would wonder how is he breathing in this situation? It sounds like the hippo's mouth is so big that his head's not actively in the hippo's stomach. But so, yeah. So question, what would you prefer? Um, you know, waking up in a shallow grave in the middle of the desert or finding yourself inside of a hippo's mouth? Shallow grave. <laughs> shallow grave for sure. <laughs> I don't know about like the whole effect of like being in the desert trying to survive for 71 days versus like a very bad encounter with a hippo apples and oranges yes totally true back to paul who is uh head first in a hippo he's realizing that he's stuck in the hippo's mouth and he begins to struggle in order to try to break free unfortunately he's unable to move anything except his legs so he's wiggling his legs around frantically His arms were pinned along the side of his body. In his book, he says, I felt two pops in my lower back, like a hot dog being stuck with a fork. Oh my goodness, no. Yeah, that's a lovely visual, huh? Yeah. Eventually, the hippo relaxed his hold a bit, and Templar managed to escape the hold. One site speculated that Templar may have triggered the hippo's gag reflex, so that might have helped him escape, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not wholly swallowed. And he's just sitting in there. Yeah, wiggling. <laughs> the hippo's just waiting for the right moment to... He's like, when are you going to fit all the way in my stomach? <laughs> what other things do hippos eat, just to, as a side note? Oh, they do not eat meat. They don't eat meat. They so, just eat plants. So they're not used to having large, humanly-shaped exactly. objects. So it's a problem to solve, which is why he's trying to chomp down on his back, clearly. Okay. So it's just 100% angry, territorial hippo which is crazy the fact that they're vegetarians and so violent violent vegetarian yeah i would be violent too if i couldn't eat meat Uh, (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) i'll keep that in mind i might eat a human out of anger too Uh, i hope not no I, i won't promise okay good uh templar swims to the surface and immediately sees evans who is treading water nearby Templar reasons that Evans has a blank expression and that the other guide is likely in shock. So even though he's almost been swallowed by a hippo, Templar swims over to Evans and flips him in the water face up and attempts to swim with him to safety. So he basically hooks his arm around him and tries to get him to one of these tall rocks. Before they can make a bid for safety, the hippo comes up again from below this time, he gets Templar's legs down the hippo's throat. Oh, no. And he's yanked underwater. With his hands free, Templar reaches for his gun, which is strapped to his waist. So this gun we talked about before, it's a 357 Magnum. He had painted the casing of the bullets with nail polish to keep them waterproof so they would be able to be fired when wet, which I didn't know you could do. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So just in case you're underwater and have to shoot a hippo. Nail polish. Yeah. And Casey and I have a cousin who's a river guide, and they're very well known for painting toenails along their trips on stretches of long water. So you can paint your nails and you can paint your bullets. You heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Things you should know. Yes. 
The hippo was thrashing him around so violently, however, he couldn't make an effective shot. He was being shaken around underwater like a rag doll. The hippo releases him again, and Templar once again surfaces. He says, I know my body was damaged, but I felt nothing. Just adrenaline flooding every cell, screaming to get the hell out of here. This is similar to a lot of our other stories where people report no pain until after the fact. So cool that your body can do that. Thank goodness. Templar was still not in the clear. The hippo comes up a third time. This time grabs Templar from the torso. The hippo drags him deep underwater. All the while, Templar is scratching at the hippo's eyes and punching at his snout. What happened to the gun? Does he still have that? I don't know if he even, I think maybe he gave he dropped up on it. it. He could have yeah. dropped it with all that thrashing. It was not specified in the book. Templar realizes that one of the tusks has pierced his chest. <gasps> the hippo is also tossing him into, his, into the air and catching him. What? So this seems kind of reminiscent of the bear story with Todd, Todd Orr, Orr, where the bear is tossing him around and jumping on his back. And This hippo is an acrobat. I'm sorry, but the hippo should be... In, in the circus. The circus, for sure. <laughs> Somebody look him up. <laughs> Rogie. Rogie the Rogie. circus hippo. He might kill you also. One of the other guides, Mac, so back to Mac, Mike Mac, was able to get Temple with his kayak. So after he had saved everybody else, he was brave enough to go out to Templar, who's just out in the water. Templar is able to grab one end of the kayak and holds on as Mac pulls him to safety, that same large rock. The clients, thankfully, are all safe, but Evans is nowhere to be seen. He has gone under about 50 yards downstream. As the shock begins to wear off, Templar starts to feel the full extent of the damage. He says, I was a shredded, bloody mess. My torso was punched full of holes, blood streaming down onto the rock and turning the water red. My flesh was torn and ragged. My left foot looked especially bad, as if someone had tried to beat a hole through it with a hammer. Oh, my gosh. Did he have sensation in his legs? Was not mentioned. I mean, I get pain. Well, that's good. Pain. My first thought would be, did he sever his or injure his spinal cord when he was Mm, inside the hippo? Especially when his torso was being not on. When you were mentioning the fork going in the hot dog? Yes. That's what I was picturing. Oof. Yes. He says, I tried to raise my left arm, but couldn't. Most of the meat had been stripped from my arm. Oh, man. I could see the upper and lower arm bones cracked and splintered. Uh, yeah. Sorry, It probably guys. is so surreal, too. It's like, is that really my arm? Right. And I'll give you some more info on the injuries later. We'll come back around. Templar's canoe had been completely submerged. Unfortunately, his was the canoe that had the radio as well as a first aid kit. How far are they away from civilization? They were luckily really close to the end. This was the end of the tour. They were just coming the last stretch, and that's where the hippo attacked. So the guide, Mac, tears his shirt into strips to basically form a tourniquet and staunch the worst of the blood loss. There's also something about how he had all of these puncture wounds in his torso, and something about his lung being pierced and basically collapsed. 
yeah, I don't think it was collapsed. Well, anyway, we'll get to that. What they did was get some saran wrap and press it to the back of his wounds so he could breathe. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, because once it basically you lose the ability to inflate the lung because the air is just going out of the lung. Mm-hmm. And so if you put a patch over it, then it keeps the air from going out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And clearly these guys knew about the surroundings for them to even know to do that with a puncture wound with like these guys know what they're up against yeah just like you were mentioning before they had some training yeah except this guy mac they didn't mention any training that he had in that back but he clearly knew (laughs) he knew what to do yeah well also you hear you're gonna hear like air going out of that hole so Mm -hmm. it might be sort of intuitive yes well and they had all these other people here and the other guy bed templar instructs through all of his pain, he kind of takes charge. He instructs Mac to stay with the clients and asks Ben to get him down the last section of the river. That's got that's got to be his military background, like coming into play, mm-hmm. delegating. He was concerned, of course, about getting back on the river, that the hippo will come back. I think that would be horrifying. It's like going back to the desert after you're stranded there for seventy-one days. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they're able to make it back to shore. All the while, they're paddling. Blood was pooling around at the bottom of the canoe and sloshing around. Oh, my gosh. At this point, Templar's kind of wondering if he's going to, to die. Make it. Yes. They were lucky because when they got to shore, there were six porters. So it was just another tour. So they were able to get help pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I think another eerie thing is they're talking about going through the water is there all these hippopods still around so blood is pulling around him and all these hippos are standing around eerily oh my gosh can you imagine after being attacked or watching that happen no so these porters put templar into a vehicle and they head to the victoria falls hospital he had at least 38 serious wounds the tusks had pierced his chest five times wow it's like being stabbed yeah Three so large that they completely pierced his chest cavity. His lung was visible through one of the holes in his back. Oh, wow. Both armpits had been ripped open and... Axillary? Axillary. Yeah, axillary artery in his left arm had been severed. How did he live? Yeah. I do not understand. (laughs) The doctor's report on his left arm stated that the brachial artery was torn and the arm... Was dead was degloved from the shoulder to the wrist. <gasps> yeah. No. Okay, so for people who don't know what degloving means, you should tell them. Well, just picture this. Put a glove on your hand and then peel it off inside out. And that's degloving in a nutshell. Yeah, so basically with all of his arm skin. Inside out. Awful. Ugh. So he had seen his arm, but I don't think that he had seen the full extent or really processed it. He needed to go to a hospital with an orthopedic surgeon. The closest was nearly 300 miles away. And they couldn't airlift him due to his chest wounds because the air pressure would collapse his lung. That's what the book said. Wow. So they had to drive him there. That is terrible. So he was basically saying it could have been like an hour flight to this hospital, but instead they had to strap him up really carefully to drive him to the hospital where the orthopedic surgeon was. They thought amputation of both arms and his left leg were likely. 
so almost all of his limbs, and odds of surviving surgery at all were low. He's just a really lucky dude. The doctors were able to salvage all but his left arm. I well, guess that's, that's impressive. <laughs> Here I am telling another story of yet somebody else losing a limb. <laughs> <laughs> you always know what's going to happen with me. Yeah. Uh, Evans Namasango did not make it and was recovered from the river a few days later. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what happened to him. I'm not sure if he drowned or if he also was attacked by the hippo. It was very unclear. And I'm guessing part of this is because this happened in the 90s. And so the articles now that I can find on the internet aren't comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Plus, it was pretty chaotic, it sounds like. And maybe I'm sure people were shocked. And being able to recount exactly what happened would be difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think you would know once you recover the body, though, what happened to him. Templar says, in the wild, we're the visitors. We're the intruders. The hippo attacked because I was invading its territory. He's also racked with guilt because he was responsible for these these clients, but also these guides who were in training. So he obviously felt really bad about it. Two years later, after the attack, he paddled the length of the 1,600-mile Zambezi with one arm in a month-long journey that proved to be cathartic for him. All of these people, they, they all go back. go back. All of them. I, th- I really do think most of the people we've talked about went back to the site of what happened to them. It's got to be a closure thing. Anyway, I'm going to send you some pictures, and you can tell me about them. And we're going to talk about hippos for a minute before we conclude this episode. Wow. So Tessa just sent me a picture of a hippo with its mouth fully open wide. Jaws just sticking out. Okay, so the crazy thing about the first picture is how wide a hippo can open its mouth. And we'll post this on social media, but up to 180 degrees. That is really crazy. Basically just flat. And that's what it looks like in that picture. What is the purpose? You it's know, horrifying. It's just protective, mostly, that it can open its mouth that wide. I mean, if it's eating grass, I don't know why it needs to open its mouth that wide. I don't know about why it needs to, but some of the sites I saw, they call that the hippo's yawn. And you want to get out if you see that happen, because it's a sign that they're feeling territorial, even with each other. So hippos will do that to tell other hippos to get out. It doesn't even look like a creature when you see it from the side view yeah and they have 36 teeth four more than us (laughs) but their teeth are very odd you see that in that picture all of their molars look like they're nearly in their throat isn't that interesting yeah and those molars are just to grind up grasses i don't know maybe it's just for protection and fighting each other that they have those long canines Yeah, it's got to be just for protection if they're not eating any meat. Yeah, so I just want to give you a few more facts before we conclude. The average female hippo weighs about 3,000 pounds, while males can weigh anywhere from 3,500 to 9,920 pounds. What? That is enormous. It's huge. So they're like second or third in size to elephants. The hippopotamus is considered the world's deadliest large land mammal. 
They kill an estimated 500 people per year in Africa. That is impressive. I had no idea. Yeah, so the, the site was like, that's three every other day. I don't think I want to do this raft trip, Tessa. <laughs> and there are a lot of other deadly things around. I just think it's crazy because maybe you would assume that lions kill more people or bears or uh-huh. crocodiles. Hippos. I also thought it was interesting that hippos, they state their territory by their poop. Hmm. They spin their tails to distribute their poop as far as it will go in the water. <laughs> that's pleasant. Yeah. And I hear that hippos smell really bad. So that's probably why they're just hanging out in their poop water trying to distribute it as far <laughs> as it will go. Gross. And the site that I was looking at also said that hippos are mostly territorial in water. And a dominant bull controls a stretch about 200 meters with about 10 females. That's kind of a large section. Yeah, so that was a long section of the river they had to watch out for. And on land, they can run up to 30 miles an hour. Wow. That's according to the St. Louis Zoo website. I mean, that's pretty fast considering what kind of mass it has to move in order to run that fast. Exactly. I think the main reason you'd have to worry on land is due to their young. As these websites said, that they're mostly territorial in water. And then one more thing about their jaw... Hippos have the ability to lock their jaws at nearly 180 degrees, as we said. The wide opening means that hippos can produce a bite force of 1,800 PSI, which is enough to break bones and snap wooden planks in two. That's crazy. That's why it's amazing that he didn't break his back. I mean, maybe he had a couple broken vertebrae he didn't mention. Yeah, well, he had 38 wounds, so it didn't really go into Into great detail. I guess at the point where he's losing limbs and almost losing other limbs, it's glossed over. I think there was a huge rehabilitation, and the latter part of his novel is all about that and what he went on to do, and I didn't read it. So So if you guys want to know more, his book is called What's Left of Me. You can find it on Amazon. There's also interviews from him on YouTube. It's very interesting. It sounds like sort of a glass half empty scenario. What's left of me? I know. (laughs) I'm just teasing. He does some motivational speaking now, and it sounds like he's involved in a lot of charities. So cool. Good job, Paul. That's awesome. Yeah, good for you. You're brave. And sorry about the hippo. (laughs) It's impressive. That's an impressive story, Tessa. Yeah. I thought it was cool. You don't hear much about hippo survival, so. Well, thanks for sharing. Anytime. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Please, if you enjoy us, rate, review, tell your friends, then interact with us on social media. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll be here. Check us out next week and stay alive. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.